about to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. All right, open your Bible this morning, Isaiah chapter 9. I'm so glad I'm accepted in the beloved. <laughs> That's right. Glory to God. All right, we've been talking about the power in the kingdom of God. We've been talking about the power, P-O-W-E-R, that you have. It's in your life. It came to you when you entered the kingdom of God. Isaiah chapter 9. Look at verse 6. This is a prophetic word of Isaiah. It says, For unto us a child is born. How many know who that is? Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Consular, the Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon this kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice or righteousness from henceforth even forever the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do what? Perform this. So notice, here it tells you why Jesus came back. Jesus came back not to bring religion. He did not come back to bring heaven. He came to bring back a government. Say a government. He came to bring a heavenly government with all its benefits its power and its authority back to mankind. Here it says the kingdom of the government will continue to increase. How many know it's increasing every day here on the earth? Every time somebody else enters the kingdom of God, that's it. Nobody's retracting. Nobody's getting kicked out of the kingdom. Nobody's getting thrown out of the kingdom. So every single person that we bring into the kingdom of God government basically is another increase of the government. Notice what it also said. It's a kingdom of peace. Say peace. peace. Hallelujah. You want to judge what's going on around you in your life? Just check if there's peace involved with it. If there's not, then it's not from the heavenly government, praise God. So here it talks about the heavenly government, and it's established on justice or righteousness. Say the government of God is established on, built on justice and righteousness. All right, go to Romans chapter 4. He said yesterday, what are you preaching on today? I said, I don't know. What do you want me to preach on? And she said, uh, why don't you preach on renewing the mind? I've been reading a book about the renewing of mind. I said, honey, that's what I try to do every week. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to do every week is renew, renew someone's mind. That's what I do. Not specifically on the renewing of the mind, but I'm trying to renew the mind. Praise God. So, All right, Romans chapter 4. Look at verse 24 or 25. Talking about Jesus, who was delivered for our offenses, and he was raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified or made righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus. What? Now, notice it's talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ here. When Jesus was resurrection, which we call resurrection day, basically, the ability of mankind was made for you to be made righteous or justified, just as if I never sinned. Righteousness is not a religious word. It is a legal term. 
You were brought back into right standing with the government of God so you could receive the benefits from the government of God because you were put back into right standing with it. It's the same way here in the natural realm. We, we live under the government of the United States. How many of you know if you rob a store and you get nailed and they put you in prison for three years, you do your three-year term, you come out, how many know you've been, once again been made righteous with the government? After stealing and going to jail, you went to jail because you became unrighteous with the government, so you had to pay penalty in order to become righteous again. Are you following me? You're driving down the road to church, and you're late as usual, and you're just flying down US-1, and all at once you're doing 70 mile an hour when you look at your speedometer, and you look in the rearview mirror, and the bubblegum machine's on behind you, and it pulls you over, and basically they say, well, you're going to get a ticket, and they give you a ticket, and it's $200. At that time, you are unrighteous with the government. But if you get your $200 and you pay the ticket and you do what you're supposed to do, how many know you become righteous once again? Well, in the spiritual world of the kingdom of God, we were unrighteous, but Jesus paid your ticket. Jesus did your prison sentence. And when he did, then you can be declared righteous because of what he did for you, not what you had to do. Aren't you glad? How many of you didn't want to go to hell and pay for it yourself? didn't want to do that. So he says, praise God. So Jesus paid our price. And when he did, we move into the kingdom of God. Then we have been made the righteousness or in right standing with the government, right standing for all our benefits and everything that God gave us. We're put back in right standing. How many know this is offered to every human being on the earth? Jesus died for everybody. Their right standing with the government is right there. If they simply accept what Jesus did or the price he paid for them, they can enter into the government in a state of righteousness and justification with God and God's government. Praise God. He restored basically you to your original position that Adam had back in Genesis 1.26. Say, I'm righteous. Say, I'm in right standing with the kingdom of God. Okay, go to John 14. All right, John chapter 14, look at verse 16. Jesus is speaking. He said, I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you. How long? Even the Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you, and he shall be what? Now notice, here's Jesus talking about it before he dies. He's talking to his disciples. He's telling them what's important and what's not important. And you're going to find out that Jesus hardly ever mentioned going to heaven like the church does all the time. He never mentioned you're going to go to heaven. Just wait, I'm going to send, you're going to go to heaven. No, his focus was on someone coming to live on the inside of you so that you could have a life change in your life. So here he says, look, I'm going to send you the comforter. I'm going to send you the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is going to do what? He's going to live where? Say, in me. Say it again, in me. Notice, the primary focus of the kingdom of God, if you want to skip all the other stuff and get right to it, is that God once again was going to reside on the inside of man. God was going to live by the Spirit of God on the inside of mankind once again so mankind could operate in the kingdom of God, could operate in power, could operate in authority, could operate in God's guidance, could be reconnected to heaven through the Spirit of God on the inside of them, get directions. It was their phone line back to heaven that was restored by Jesus Christ. And when you got there now, you can be led by the Spirit of God who's on the inside of you. It's not getting born again and going to heaven. And if that's the end of it, most people don't even understand that the Spirit of God actually lives on the inside of you. And this isn't just a fictitious thing. When you start to realize who the Spirit of God is and that He's an actual person living on the inside of you that you can hear, 
I'm not talking about audibly. I'm talking you can, but on the inside of you, there's that still small voice many times that lines up with the Word of God that is the Spirit of God leading and guiding you in whatever direction you need to go where that same power of the Holy Spirit came in you when He came in you. Not part of him, not some of him, not, not a dab of him. The same Holy Ghost that raised Jesus Christ from the dead came to live on the inside of mankind. Now, I tell you what, I think God was excited when all this took place. I don't think he was saying, well, it's resurrection day. I got my bonnet on, got my best suit on. He's alive. No, he knew why the resurrection took place. He knew why the crucifixion took place. He had it all planned out. He did all this stuff for one final result that he could get his spirit back on the inside of mankind so mankind could walk in the power of God and the victory of God every single day of your life. I mean, a lot of times denominations, it's about traditions, it's about this, it's about that. Let me tell you the most important thing you can focus on is that God lives on the inside of you this morning. That the Spirit of God actually dwells on the inside of you. And the more aware you stay of that this morning, the more victory and success you're going to have in your life. Don't wait till you make all the decisions. And then break the glass, 911, where are you, Holy Ghost, when I need you? He will keep you out of situations and circumstances that you're getting into well, God just led and guide me into that mess to grow me up. No, you walked into that mess. Now you need the Holy Ghost to get out of that mess. And you could have went around that mess, through that mess, or right on top of that mess. Depending on what the Holy Ghost was telling you on the inside of you. So you are a person possessed with God himself. And the main purpose, basically, of the kingdom of God was to get the Holy Ghost back on the inside of mankind. It was not heaven. Heaven is a byproduct of it. When you die, you're going to go to heaven. But you've got something to do right now. Right this very minute. And whatever you've got to do, if it's from God, is going to be bigger than you. Yes. Well, I can't do that. He knew that. He had that all figured out before he picked you. He wasn't looking to say, well, let's see who can start a church, call it TCVC, and get some people and talk about the kingdom. No, he picked me. I said, I can't preach. He said, I know it. He said, I don't even know the Bible except what I've been taught. I know it. He wasn't nervous at all. I was a little nervous. Come on, and you're calling, you're a little nervous when you start out because everything's going to be done by the Spirit of God on the inside of you, leading and guiding you, bringing you the revelation you need, bringing the information you need. It's all above your natural ability. Aren't you glad? And, and the best thing is when you were born again and you came into the kingdom of God, everything you ever need was already stuffed on the inside of you. Hallelujah. Your dressing was in there. Everything you needed in the big turkey was already on the inside of you in there. And the Bible tells you now to work out we're not working in. We're working out what's already. So when I entered the kingdom of God, there was already a pastor on the inside of me. He certainly wasn't outside here. And I certainly didn't see him anywhere because I looked around. He wasn't there. But he was in here. So what happened? God who started a good work in me was continually doing that good work in me. So by the spirit of God, it could manifest out of me into the natural realm and be above anything that I could ever want or ever say until till I could do with my natural ability. Are you following me? So whatever you got to do in your life, it, it doesn't matter how big it is. It matters whether depending on the Spirit of God to get it done in your life or not get it done in your life because God wants to bring it out of the inside of you. And the worst thing you can do is get self-minded. Oh, me, oh, my, oh, nobody cares, oh, me, I can't do, baby, 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 baby. That poor, that mental victim mentality because then it's really hard for you to step out when God tells you to do something. But God, by the inside of the Holy Spirit, everybody in here, I believe there's so much more stuff on the inside of me 
that I haven't tapped into. Yes, I've tapped into some, but I'm sure there's a lot more in there. And my life's goal from here on is to know his will and the knowledge of his will in spiritual understanding so what's in me can come through me, come out of me, so I can fulfill what he put me here to do in the small time that I'm here in order to get it done in this earth realm. Because once I leave here, how many know that's not going to take place anymore? See, once you go, you're done. That's it. It's finished. Whatever you're going to do, you're going to do, and you can't do anything else. So I think it's very important to understand that the Spirit of God lives on the inside of us, and he's brought some things to it. You hear people all say, are you born again? Yes. Are you Christian? Yes. Have you ever heard anybody say, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? Come on. You ought to walk up to somebody now, say if they're Christian, say, are you filled with the Holy Ghost? I should say not. Well, then you need to be. <laughs> See? Because the word Christian's just been thrown around. If you go to church, you're a Christian anymore. If you give $10 in last week's tithe, then you're basically... But it's not that way because Christianity has been smothered over a little bit. The question is, do you have someone on the inside of you that God placed there that's going to totally change your life by the Spirit of God on the inside of you? And basically, are you born in the kingdom of God and, the, and it's the Spirit of God? Go to Romans chapter 8. We're going to deviate here just a second this morning. going to deviate. We're going to deviate. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 9, but you are not in the flesh. Well, you could just stand there and praise God about 45 minutes for that statement. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if so be that the Spirit of God dwells where? If He dwells in you. Now notice, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is what? He is what? So you're trying to tell me if I didn't have the Spirit of God this morning, I wouldn't even be of God? I wouldn't be of God. But I go to church all the time. I'm one of the best tithers at TCVC. I make cookies for the breakfast every time they have it here. That doesn't qualify you? No, what qualifies you is whether you have the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Now, if God's plan and purpose was to get in the kingdom of God, that Spirit of God back on the inside of you, don't you think you might want to depend on that Spirit just a little bit in your daily decisions and in your daily life and what you're doing in your life? Of course you do. If it's that important to God, then it's got to be that important to us. Go to Galatians chapter 3. Thank God for the Holy Ghost. All right, Galatians chapter 3, look at verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. Now, where was he made a curse for us? On the tree, wasn't he? On the cross. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, and that when we die, we may go to heaven forever. No, that's not what it says. But that's what I thought for years in my life. But notice what it says. That you might receive the promise of the Spirit through what? Through faith. So why did Jesus go to the tree? Not to promise me heaven only. Not just the gospel of salvation, but the good news about the kingdom of God, which tells you that you can now receive the Spirit of God, the one that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. You receive Him on the inside of you, and basically you can live by the Spirit of God on the inside of you. You will never, you will never really flow with a whole lot of excitement in God unless you make a connection to the Holy Ghost. If he's just on here for you, and yes, I received the Holy Ghost, thank you very much. It's so good to have the Holy Ghost, and Holy Ghost, and Holy Ghost, and they have the Holy Ghost. But when he becomes real to you, and you actually make a connection with him, that he's a real life person, 
And a real-life person who has your best, say best. He wants the best for you, never the worst for you, never, never nothing bad for you, never nothing terrible for you. He's not trying to beat you up, beat you down, beat you over. He's trying to show you how to walk in your best with the power that he gave you in every area. He's trying to make you see how you can be the best mom in the world, the best dad in the world, the best child in the world, the best everything in the world. He can show you how to do that if you just trust him on the inside of you to do that. And not only that, he brings power. Say power. power. My gosh. Well, I don't have any power. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Yeah. Yes, but I don't have any power. Well, what happened? Did somebody deflate him? Come on, what happened to him? If you have the Holy Ghost on the inside of you and no power, no authority, then something's the matter here. He came in there with power and he came in there with authority on the inside of you. So here it says, Jesus went to the cross. He was raised from the dead. Why? So you could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. All right, go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. All right, Acts chapter 2, look, very exciting scripture, verse 38. Go to, second, or go to Acts. I'm backing up. I'm trying to get ahead, but I keep going backwards. Acts chapter 2. It's right after Acts chapter 1. All right, look at verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and you shall die and go to heaven whenever you leave this earth. Just do whatever you want now and don't worry about that you've got a call or that you've got anything else in your life because, praise God, you're in at this point, so just go ahead and live like everybody else and see what happens. No, notice what it says. And you shall receive the of the Holy Ghost. Once again, what's the emphasis on? It's on you getting in the kingdom of God and receiving somebody called the Holy Ghost. Not going to heaven, the Holy Ghost, for goodness sakes in your life. And the next verse is even better. 39, for the promise is not only to you, but to who? Glory to God. That means it should not end with my generation. If I'm the first one in my family ever that received the Spirit of God and came to the kingdom of God, then my kids ought to know about the Spirit, and they ought to get the Spirit, and they ought to follow the Spirit, and they ought to grow in the Spirit, and they ought to want the Spirit, and I want them to get their purpose. The purpose. I'm always talking about purpose. When I talk about Brandy, it's purpose. When I talk about my kids, I want to get their purpose across. Because if they can get their purpose, they'll belong to something, they'll feel accepted by something, and they'll follow something rather than what's in the world today. So notice once again, this is not only to me, but it's also to who? My children. Glory to God. And how many know they'll have children that'll be to their children? All right, go to Acts 19. All right, Acts chapter 19, verse 1, And it came to pass that while Apollos was at Corinth, Paul, having passed through the upper coast, came to Ephesus, and finding certain disciples, he said to them, Have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, We have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. It's one of the saddest scriptures in the Bible, ain't it? Do you know there's churches full of people out of there that don't even know there be a Holy Ghost? There's people out there who are Christians and have the Holy Ghost and don't even know they have the Holy Ghost. There's people in churches that don't know they, they don't have the Holy Ghost and don't know the Holy Ghost is available, but they're going to church all the time anyway. But notice, he said, we don't even know there is a Holy Ghost. 
Verse 3, and he said unto them, well, you were baptized with the baptism unto John. Then Paul said in verse 4, John verily baptized with baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. And when they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them, and they did what? And did what? Prophesied. Now notice, here's some people, they didn't know about the Holy Ghost, they were following the Lord the best they could, they were pressed in 100%, but they still did not know about the Holy Ghost on the inside of them. Paul did not come and say, are you guys going to heaven? Do you belong to a church? Have you entered a denomination? Do you belong to Treasure Coast Victory Center? No, he said, do you have the Holy Ghost? And their answer was no. So what did he do about it? He laid hands on them and gave them the Holy Ghost. Now, if we're going to be disciples, then we need to find out sometimes who has the Holy Ghost and who don't have it. And if they have it, we need to say, Hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. But if they don't have it, we need to give it to them. See? Not just pray a prayer with me and I'm born again. That's fine. But let's give people the primary thing, which is the Holy Ghost on the inside. Hey, you can have the Spirit of God come on the inside of you, and He will help lead you. He will help guide you. He will help teach you. You can grow into things of God. You'll be able to understand the Bible now because you now have the Holy Ghost on the inside. That sounds more appetizing than just escaping hell to go to heaven than going back and living the same way in the same addictions and everything else you did. This gives you promise not only for heaven, but it gives you promise for now right now. There's power in your life right now. There can be a change in your life today. There can be adjustment in your life today. Maybe you're doing things your own way today and it's not working out very good. Why is that? Because you need to get the Holy Ghost involved in what needs to be done in your life. And the more you get him involved, I got to tell you, the more scary it gets. It's just the way it is. It's, it's supernatural, and you were born natural, and it takes a long way to, to change your mind. And, you know, you get up and you pray with the Holy Ghost. That's fine. You do this, you do that. Then all at once you're preaching a sermon, and you give the first scripture, and all at once the Holy Ghost says, no, go to this scripture, this scripture. I said, I don't have notes for that one. He said, I didn't ask you if you had notes. I told you to go to this scripture. I said, but I don't have any notes for that, and we just started. We're only three minutes in, and they expect me to go to at least half hour, 45 minutes on this stuff, and this one scripture ain't going to work it, and I've got this one scripture down, and I know it's really a good one. He said, no, just go to this scripture. So you turn to that scripture, and all the while you're turning to it, you're thinking, oh, Jesus. I better read this, first of all, 13 times. Maybe I'll get an Amplified, I'll get another Bible, I'll get another Bible, whatever it takes to stretch this thing out. But no, you just follow where the Spirit of God is leading you, and then what you've put in you, it's like a baby will come out. In other words, the words that you put in you, the studies that you put in you, the tapes that you put in you are on the inside of you. And the Holy Ghost is out here, and he knows what everybody needs in this place. I don't. So he's out there, and he says, well, this one, you, you're going to hit him with that, and you're going to hit him with that, and you're going to hit him with that, and you didn't study that. And sometimes you don't even know if you can find the Scripture. So you just quote it. You don't have to go there. Why? Because I can't find it either. See, but nobody knows that. You just keep a straight face. You don't have to go there this morning. <laughs> Come on. Why? Because I don't know where it's at either, but I just know it's in the Bible, so I'm going to go ahead and quote it this morning. See? You relax. You do whatever he says. So you go there, you read the scripture, and all at once, praise God, you take off in an area, and you're hitting that one, this one, that one, this one, that one, this one, that one, this, 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 and you get done, and you got the nicest notes. <laughs> Should be bronzed, passed out to everybody in the church. But the problem is he didn't use any of them, and you spent all week studying them 
all week trying to figure these things out, trying to have it. But the Holy Ghost knew what everybody needed in that place that morning. And then people come up to you afterwards and they say, ah, that's exactly what I needed to know. You said this, that, this. Another person will come up and say, oh, that's what I needed to know. And they're not even close to this person. I needed this, that, this. I said, well, you two aren't even on the same page. Were you in the same sermon? Why is that? Because what the Holy Ghost is bringing out to people, he brings out. He knows the need that's in their heart, and when you learn to follow him, then he's going to take you places where you can't even program. At first, when I got in the ministry, I mean, he told me exactly what to preach on. He told me what to study. I had it there, and I mean, you know, that was good. I knew it was going to be good. I knew what the Spirit of the Lord told me. Praise God, it's going to be wonderful. I just think this is great. I get it all figured out. But then all at once, things started to change. Because he said, you're trusting me a week before. Now the question is... Will you trust me when I say, now? And I said, well, if you give me a week to prepare. But that's not the way God works. He, and he doesn't always want to intervene and mess up your day. But there's sometimes he does intervene and mess up your day. And you've got to make the decision whether you're going. And you know, once you start obeying that voice, you know it's him. And you just go, oh, jeez. You know, at first you can say that was the devil and skip it because you're still immature and you get away with that. But once you start following that and once you start following the Holy Ghost, that still voice comes up on the inside of you and many times it won't make any sense up here. None whatsoever. So don't spend 15 minutes trying to figure out what's a good idea or a bad idea because you're going to talk yourself right out of it before it's over with. You just do whatever God tells you to do. And I'll tell you what, if you don't yield at first, he'll make you yield. Some people say, God, don't force you. Well, he'll trick you. <laughs> he'll trick you. Because, he, you know, he, he kept telling me to do this, do that when I was preaching, when I was teaching. And, I, you know, I got the notes right here. God, I've got the notes. So then I went to a meeting one time, and there was a bunch of people there, about 300 people there. And there was like four people there, and some big speaker was getting up to speak. And I was just on the stage because I was one of the guys that welcomed him, took care of him and everything else. And he gets up on the stage, and he says... The Lord just spoke to me. I said, I hope so. We brought you in and paid you a lot of money. I hope what you're given is given. And he just sits down and he says, the Lord's telling me the guy right there on the end is supposed to teach this morning. And I went, on the end? On the end? Yeah, it was me. He said, he has a word for you this morning. I'm going, I brought you in to teach. You both to teach. But he already pointed to me on the end. So I got up. No idea. I was like, that's a Bible. I get up. Everybody's looking at you. Because I've got a word from God. And God apparently knows it, and I don't. <laughs> so whatever scripture came up on the inside of me, I figured I'd read it. It's the best thing. And I read it. And when I got done reading it, the, the power of God came up out of the inside of me and on me. And scripture started coming one right after another. And I started talking so fast that people write notes. Well, you've been here Wednesday night. Yeah. <laughs> Looks like tongues when you're done. Because <laughs> when the Spirit of God starts to move, naturally, it's hard to keep up with Him. So you just follow whatever he tells you to do, whatever scripture he goes to, whatever he's got to say, whatever he's got to say. So, you know, I, I really believe on my own I could have yielded to God and not been put in that situation. But I wouldn't do it because I had my notes and I had everything figured out. But sometimes you don't know. I don't know who's going to be where I'm at. I don't know who's going to be there. That's why when you minister to other people, you don't have a set one, two, three, four to give to everybody because everybody's different. Everybody's got a different background. Everybody's been messed up differently. Everybody's looking for something differently. Everybody's been doing something else. You can't just put them all in one basket 
And every time somebody gets you, pull out your note card. Do you know Jesus? You could possibly know him today if you receive him as your Lord and Savior. Would you like to do that? Then pray this prayer. Sometimes you just talk to them, say, how's it going bad? Well, let me tell you, it can get better, praise God. I'll tell you right now. Well, I got a drinking problem. Hey, praise God, I had a better drinking problem than you at one time, praise God. But I got delivered. You know, Jesus set me free, and he loved me, and I'm growing the things of God. Really? Yeah, that's what happened. No program, just relating to people who are already there. And you can do that even if you weren't drunk like they're drunk, do you see? Because the Spirit of God knows what he's doing. People said, well, unless you went through that, you'll never be a good minister. Well, then Jesus was the worst minister I ever saw because he never got drunk, never did drugs, never did anything. Following me? Maybe you can relate to them a little bit, but the Spirit of God on the inside of you knows what every single person you walk up to, He knows them inside, out, upside, down, all over the place, and He knows that He knows, and He knows that He knows what they need. And that's when we become ministers, when we start following the Holy Ghost. It's not a pamphlet, it's not a program, it's not anything. It's simply the Spirit of God on the inside of you because He loves people. And if you love people, you'll tap into Him. Now, if you're trying to make a name for yourself, trying to get on TV, trying to get well-known, trying to do this stuff, then you're not going to have much cooperation with the Spirit of God. It just don't work that way. He's not into that kind of stuff. He's into one person at a time. And we're looking for this major revival. It's going to come sooner or later, and maybe it will, maybe it won't. But I'll tell you what, revival can be today. Every time you get somebody to enter the kingdom of God or deliver them from something, let me tell you, it is the best feeling. It's better than Joy's ice cream. They're close. They're close, but it's better. Why is that? Because it's more blessed to give than it is to receive in your life. And you're giving of yourself, and you're doing things that you know you could not do, so you know you're cooperating with the Spirit of God. The whole Bible talks about us being co-laborers with God. But the church wants to sit here and say, do it, God. Do it. My neighbor's unsaved. God, get him, get him, get him, get him, get him. Well, what do you want God to do? You know, send the Holy fly in the window and get him? No, God will say, you get over there and get him. No, no, you get him, get him, get him, get him, get him, get him. The Bible says they went everywhere, everywhere, and the Word worked, and the Spirit worked with them, confirming the Word with signs and wonders. So wherever you go, you're not going alone. You're going with someone on the inside of you who actually knows more than you do, who knows how to handle the situation, who knows how to help you, who knows how to help you in your career, who knows how to help you in your marriage, who knows how to help you in all these different things around you. You need the Spirit of God in every single area of your life, praise God. Your marriage will be better if you listen to the Spirit of God. He'll start to refine them emotions that you have on the inside. You know, everybody gets married and thinks it's going to be the most wonderful thing in the world. And how many know it takes about six days to figure out that they might not agree with everything you said. And you went into marriage thinking that they were just going to bow down, praise God, and, you know, my dishes need washed and my clothes need washed, so I'm getting married. But how many you know, how many know that's not the answer? Well, I'm telling you, this is the way some people think. That's not the way it is. It's two people, but the Spirit of God will teach you. The Spirit of God will lead you. The Spirit of God will guide you in every single area of your, of your life, but you have to follow the Holy Ghost in your daily life. First of all, you have to acknowledge that He's there. He's there. He's on the inside of you. He's not up there. The big man upstairs. Yeah, well, the big man upstairs spent his Holy Ghost downstairs. See? People crowd, oh, he can hear you for God's sakes. He's not deaf. So he's on the inside of you. Praying in the Holy Ghost is important because that puts you in tune with heaven's language and to hear God and, and prophecy and everything else. Praise God.
Thank you.